Hey guys, welcome back to Seller Sessions for part three of our China series, uh, which Steve presented at Seller Sessions Live and thought the information was very important. Hope you'd enjoyed the first two episodes. I'll, let, I'll hand over to Steve now and obviously we'll ad lib for the audio versions. Don't forget this will be available on YouTube and of course this will be broadcasted on Seller Sessions podcast and Awesomers podcast alongside Steve. Yep, that is right. Uh, everybody, we're back again, and this is the part three of the mini-series where we're we're doing a China reality check, right? We're talking about global supply chain, we're talking about economics, and we're talking about today causation, right? So obviously COVID has, has led to a lot of the problems we've talked about in parts one and two, but one of the other things that is, is leading to some of this pressure is uh, a bigger picture issue that a lot of people don't think about, they don't talk about. And that's what we're going to dive into today. Uh, how have you felt about our uh, mini series so far, Danny? Are you? Uh, I'm, it- I'm obviously I'm I'm really happy with it. Let's be straight. It's your it's your content. I've joined you on this so to part the conversation to get some context to some of the stuff that you're doing. Again, we said it episode one, episode two. This isn't Armageddon. This is education. This is being prepared for your business to make the decisions moving forward so you don't get blindsided by a lot of the stuff that is happening and could happen and affect your business. It's survival the fittest. People will win. And, of course, there's going to be struggles for others. But a key thing here is getting the right information out to people to do what they feel is right with the information that's provided over these four episodes. I couldn't have said it better as usual. Um, so everybody, let's dive into the mini series part three. Uh, when we last talked, we said we're going to talk again about the the cause of the symptoms, right? We've talked about inflation. We've talked about uh, you know some of the the issues at stake, not just in China but globally, with uh, factors that that we as sellers face, right? Shipping costs and and all these other things. But those are all symptoms. And uh, and to, to get into causation, we're first going to talk about demography. <laughs> uh, very few people have heard the word demography, but most people have heard demographics. Yep. You agree with that, Danny? Agreed. Yeah. So demographics get into some of the, the, the details that we might think about. But demography is really more of the, the high level, like how many people are there and what are their ages and are they male or female and are they growing or shrinking and so on and so forth. So. Uh, I'll talk as we go about why demography is important, but the, uh, a fellow named Peter Zihan is really a geopolitical expert and uh, has made his slides public, so we're, we're borrowing those for this purpose. And he has this beautiful slide that, said, that shows France in a demographic or demographic – no, demographic is the same as demographic. Uh, the demography is declining. Hmm. So uh, the EU without France – I'm going to show you France in a minute – it's basically elderly population obviously is uh, you know one of the, the larger groups, right? The, the baby boomers. And then you, you kind of move through and it turns out a lot of Europe, the baby boomers didn't have kids or not that many kids. And that has that continuing reduction in fertility, uh, which is the you know the output of children essentially, continued into Gen Z, you know so Gen X was you know not a huge boom uh, you know after the baby boom. And then millennials got smaller. Gen Z has gotten smaller yet again. Mm. Now, this is important because, and I'll talk about some of the nitty gritty here, but Danny, I'm sure you would agree that you've heard a lot of talk about millennials. Yes. 
Yes, of course. So we start throwing around words like baby boomer, Gen X, millennial, Gen Z, whatever. But we don't always apply meaning to those words. We just think, oh, well, that means how old somebody is. Yeah. But really, it means... Or you get a different generation complain about the younger generation <laughs> and say it's not like how it was in our day. Yeah. No, get off the, my lawn, you millennials. Yeah, that's exactly right. And by the way, the young ones don't like the old ones. The old ones don't like the young ones. But for, for all the different reasons. Uh, and what, what I would say is that it's really important for us to understand that the ages of a population have a great deal to do with their behavior from an economic perspective. So just just think about how a grandparent might, you know, save their money or might be on a fixed income or might have very, very different kind of economic consumption patterns than somebody in their 20s. Reasonable yeah. to think of, Danny? Yeah. And I think if we take a little bit of context to the side as well, <clears throat> marriage rates are declining heavily. The divorce rate is very high. Um, over 51%, uh, I think. Yeah, it's over 51%, and more and more people are not getting married. And the problems that you're facing there as well is the the pricing, like the housing market, especially in the UK, the deposits are so high. You're getting educations to get a degree, but you don't have experience. And it can take you some number of years to get out of debt before you can afford a property. And these are all going to have an impact because we're now seeing a later start with you know, more and more people going to university colleges and stuff like that. Obviously, you still got the working class movement to go straight out to building site or manual lab labor trade. You're always going to have that. But I think with more and more people nowadays with the advent of the Internet and you see what's on the TV, on the social media, they don't want to do those kind of jobs anymore. They want sexy jobs, right? They want to be an influencer. They want to do all these different things. And it's their mindset is different to your generation, which I'm, I'm just one little step back from your generation, Steve. But, you know, it's the, the mindset of the generations have shifted. And that not saying that's a bad thing. We're in a gig economy and everything else. But all of these over the last 50 to 60 years has is, is, is made a massive change to what you're seeing today as each generation steps through. That is correct. And every single point Danny said, except one, was exactly right. The one is him implying that him and I are in a different generation. <laughs> <laughs> you are Gen X, baby. I don't know what to tell you. There yeah, no all right. I was trying to get away with that one. I thought I'd looked a bit younger now. I've been doing some training, but yeah. How no. dare you? Yeah. yeah, it doesn't matter how young you are. You're still in the same generation or how yes, how much you exactly. work out. Exactly. So the, the truth is, everybody, that they're, the consumption patterns are really one of the things I want you guys to focus on for two reasons. One is from a who are you selling to? You know, what happens if you are in the EU and your population is rapidly aging? Maybe you need to pivot. Maybe you need to think about what that next generation is going to need um, over time. Again, that doesn't mean there are no people in the lower age groups, but it means there's fewer. And the, the whole point, and Danny said this very well, is, you know, when you have babies, you have to buy a bunch of stuff for those babies, right? You got the diapers, you got the, you know, formula, you got the toys that you, you know, running around to the parks and the kid dates and all that stuff. And then as they age, they spend more and more money. Danny talked about college and university and, you know, all of these things. And when you're young, you also consume a great deal, right? Every dollar you get goes right back out the door. That's a high consumption model uh, versus 
as you you know start to find success uh, or your, a career path, let's say uh, you're now into your 40s, you've probably got some sort of traction under you. You you're now starting to think about investments, and you you kind of have a higher value add in the you know the the world as it were. And then at the older you get, let's say 65 plus, now you're starting to take chips off the table. All of this is really really important on how countries specifically can operate in the world when it comes to buying and manufacturing. So the EU is running out of people. Over time, their population is going to continue to go down. And because if you if you are visually looking at this, you would see from basically 1980 forward, the EU, except France, again, they are the exception here, has basically cut out having babies. The, the fertility rate is very, very low. And we'll get into some of those details now. Mm -hmm. So... France, by contrast, so again, I highly encourage everybody to go watch the YouTube version of this at some point because we've got beautiful visuals and Danny and I are on screen and we look good. Uh, so France has a much wider uh, demographic position. Now, a perfect demography, I suppose, from a consumption basis would look exactly like a pyramid, right? Yes. At the very top is the super elderly and ultimately mortality takes them off the pyramid. But then as you go, there's always that consumption base on the bottom. Another big thing that people don't fully appreciate, I think, is that young workers support old retirees. Mm. Almost the worst thing you can do to a, a country's economic uh, situation is retire because now you're taking from the system. You're not inputting into the system. Now, I'm not saying people shouldn't retire, right? I have parents mm. that are going to retire and so forth. But they become a drain and they pull capital out of the market, right? They take their chips off the table, which means less capital for younger people to have access to through banking and, and other things. And they take, you know, health and uh, welfare resources as well. So that aging population becomes uh, trouble if you don't have a broad base at the young side. And the ratio of workers versus retirees is important. And again, yeah. We'll talk about that later. So France looks pretty good. It's definitely a consumption economy. And there's a pretty good argument, you know, in 10 or 15 years that France becomes the new powerhouse in Europe versus Germany. Hmm. Uh, here's Italy. Uh, it's a very, very baby boomer centric um, situation. And um, without getting into the, you know, kind of the cultural differences between countries, the retirees are happening like crazy there. Right. Yeah. And so fewer and fewer workers means, you know, that's where your tax base comes from, the workers and the retirees and so forth are who take that tax base. Now, again, this is not a, a judgment about this. This is economics. Right. Yeah. Uh, and again, I'm just going to share Germany, which also has a very negative population situation. They yeah. are shrinking as a company, which is one reason, I think, in part that they are trying to welcome so many you know, refugees and so forth to their country. They realize they need a bunch of young people to help keep the, the country moving. Yeah. And can I just point out something with uh, for, for male to female ratio as well? If we look at it now, um, more and more women are going to university and college and getting degrees a lot earlier. And men that seem to be dropping out of that system. Right. So there's a, a higher proportion of women going through there. Then you've got women that want to run their own business and want to build a career. So they delay having children. So part of that as well is that they're focused on their career until 
biology kicks in and it happens for a lot of women you know like most women I speak to are in their early 20s they have no desire to have any children that was different 20 30 40 years ago but it really is when the biological clock starts to tick a bit it's normally mid 30s now instead of early 20s and so that goes towards the marriage thing that people want to settle down and 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 have a covenant of being together along with the uh, house prices increases and the availability to cash for a mar market that's flooded with people with degrees but without those experiences as well so there there is that cultural shift and i would say especially in the west that's a big cultural shift as well which will have impact on some of these numbers it's it's exactly that impact i mean you just described the underlying cause of a lot of this that's happening yeah people said I'm going to urbanize, right? So you have less space in a city than you do in the country. You have less need for, you know, uh, extra workers around the farm if you're in the city. Yep. And and all of those things, right? Higher education, smaller, you know, uh, spaces in urbanized uh, situations means less and less intent to be married and less and less intent to have children. And that's the exact cause of what you're seeing with the yeah. German. And I want to be obviously clear with this, Steve, as you sure. run Empowery, I run Branded by Women. This is... A good thing still. This is because it came out of equality, a lot of this stuff. And we've seen an adjustment, you know, for the independence for women, as whereas men were more independent prior in, in further back generations. So it's not that this element here is a bad thing. This is just a cultural shift. And as it's gone from parent to parent, you know, I know a lot of women that their mums will say to them, make sure you're independent, make sure you bring in your own money in, be in your own, you, do you see what I mean? So it's an important factor to, to bring that up as well. And it's just part of the, you know, if you've studied evolutional biology or psychology, that will take you right back millions of years and there's you'll see the adjustments that's had over time which been pretty fixed on a biological level you know from various different things that it's too long to get into now but then you'll see an upswing from say the 60s when the feminism movement came into play right it was around the 60s women were able to vote yeah. and stuff and you'll see a, an adjustment there on an evolutional scale that kicks in a lot faster because the process now with uh, a consumer economy and everything else, there's been a big uh, adjustment and uplift versus hundreds or 50 years ago, you know, there is today. For sure. That definitely is a significant player in this, in this situation. And again, I, you know, I'm hundred percent for it. Uh, as you've said, uh, Danny, that, you know, we want people to make their, you know, their choices and make their life choices, but yep. together males and females are not having babies. Right. No, and that leads true. to less people. And yes. that means Germany, for example, it's life as a consumption economy is limited. In fact, it's over. It has to export. There's no way this country can live without exporting versus yep. United Kingdom, which has more of a broad base of consumer. Right. Mm. And so when, when you start to think about countries who say, well, I want to have a consumption led economy, you have to have consumers. Right. Yeah. And so the United Kingdom is, has a pretty broad base. And, and really this is one of the, you know, regardless of what you feel about Brexit, the EU lost a big opportunity because this is a giant consumption market yeah. uh, between the United Kingdom and France. Those are the winning kind of consumer economies going forward. Everybody else has to export. Yeah. And when you are forced to export, you are now are put yourself kind of in 
let's just say the, the world has to be a stable place for exports to work. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's you know, uh, part of the issue. Uh, just to, to kind of uh, carry on and, and move forward, the United States also has a broad consumption base. And the United States and France and England and New Zealand, these are countries, uh, there might be one or two other developed nations that are in pretty good consumption shape, but most developed nations are in a reduction phase, right? They're, they're turning into a need for export. The problem, Danny, is if every country in Europe, save two, uh, the broad base of Europe uh, as a continent, are export you have to have some place to export your stuff to, right? So there will be a giant shift in capitalism and consumption based on just the simple fact that, you know, if everybody has to export, who are they going to export to? They're going to export yeah. to the consumption economies. Yes. Okay. So now let's go to China. And so all of that was a little bit of demography lesson and talk about Europe and the United States as examples. China in 1950 uh, looked like a pyramid and a relatively short pyramid because lives were short back then, right? The, the percent of people who lived long age in pre-industrial societies is very, very low, right? Yeah. That's just not the way it works. Um, and then after World War II, the baby boom, which happened globally, happened in China as well. So if you look at a 1950 uh, chart, which those uh, looking at the visual version of this can see, there's a big baby boom after the end of World War II. Yeah. However, that became so big and the, the boom continued that so they started maybe running that's out the of problem. Food. Maybe that is the problem, is that when that occurred after the war and everything was bombed and they couldn't consume or do anything they had a lot of spare time on their hands i'm sure if we looked at the uh the covid uh baby boom as well at some point there when everyone was on lockdown but, yeah, <laughs> it's certainly part lift. of it we may have seen a lift there yeah well and it's also it, there's two things that happen one is hey uh, we are not in danger of dying every single day so we need to have some kids and then also we are a pre-industrial society generally farming that means we need kids to help work the land right yes this is a, a happened in every society mm. and let's not kid ourselves china has compressed 200 years of industrial development into two to four decades depending on who you talk to right so yep. they've they've 10x their ability to make an industrial civilization but that doesn't mean society mentally was 100 prepared for that so yep. they put in something called the one child policy and I'm specifically staying out in this miniseries, staying out of the hottest political buttons. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about, you know, some of the very deep policy decisions that have had what I think are, you know, bad consequences from a, a moral perspective and even from an economic perspective mm -hmm. and continue to burden the, the world with these overhanging issues. We just don't have time to get into it. And it would lack context and not get into it fully. So once the one child policy begins, uh, it started working and it started working really well. Uh, China, 15 years ago, the ratio of workers was eight to one to retirees. Uh, in less than a decade, it'll be three workers to each retiree. Hmm. Okay. Now I want to just share with everybody, and I shared this in London, but China, when they brought out the one-child policy, they bring out little uh, sweet music and, and jingles to help sell it, right? And a bunch of banners and things. And their attitude back in the one-child policy is, hey, just have one baby 
and will take care of you, meaning the state, right? So you have one baby, the state will take care of you. And, you know, they, they were uh, punitive with their enforcement of it. Again, not going into the details, but this was not an option. You face significant consequence if you didn't comply. Yeah. About four years ago, they saw their chart falling apart. It's no longer a pyramid. Now it's kind of a weird looking hat because their population is diving, right? It's diving. And also there is a surplus male population due to all the things that I don't want to talk about. Uh, yeah. So the problem here is when you go from eight workers to one retiree to three workers to one retiree and below 30 year olds have 50 million more men than women, you got a big problem, right? Yeah. China now can only exist as an export economy. The idea mm. that they can decouple from the United States or the rest of the world is insane because mm. they don't have a consumption-based economy. It's not sustainable. Yeah. And I think if I'm right in saying that consumption is 80% of consumption in terms of spend is by women, you know, with their, you're married and they're doing shopping or whatever they do, but the highest consumer rate is by women anyway. So if you've got a deficit of, a mass de deficit of men, there is a, there's a real uh, shift in balance there. Yeah. Well, and the, the, the reality is, you know, as that discretionary income, it's much more um, impactful as a, to, to a society when yeah. you don't have people to spend the money. And, and Danny actually outlined this very well earlier, right? You've got more people doing, um, you know, uh, opting out of marriage and more people opting yep. out of having kids and more yes. people urbanizing. All of this means that China must rely on export. It cannot exist as a consumption economy. Yep. Uh, as a contrast, here's India, right? It's like a, a beautiful... Uh, stacked pyramid in many ways. Yeah. And that just means that India, for better or worse, they have people yeah. right now. They do have a crazy amount of male overhang as well, which I haven't put on the chart, yeah. but let's just say those similar kind of concepts that have, have messed up China in the ridiculous male overhang also impact India. Yeah, I mean, those are not good a, for society. Yeah. We're, we're, we're focusing on this, but what you're talking about is almost the dating market, et cetera, et cetera. And we could go off in a different direction. But for context, the reason I brought in what I said earlier on is because the evolution of marriage and that which played important roles. But like what you said, there's some there will be some touchy subjects there we don't need to touch on because this is for Amazon sellers anyway. You know, that's right. So but all of this is important because. Uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it all up for you in a bow here in a, a couple minutes. But the point is demographics count. Demography matters. So here's mm -hmm. Mexico as well, a, pretty much a perfect pyramid. Yeah. And what, what that means in real terms to Amazon sellers is labor in countries with people, young people specifically, are lower. Yeah. Labors with aging populations are higher. So from the time I went to China 20 years ago, the cost of labor has increased by 12x, right? That is not sustainable. And by the way, those people don't want to make less money in the future. They want to make more money. So it makes China less and less desirable as a labor uh, resource. Yeah. And I, I put for the visual folks uh, joining us how Mexico and Vietnam are substantially better pricing hmm. than China as we speak right now. And... India would be half again as much as Mexico. Yeah. Okay. Now that's just the labor side and labor, you know, if labor is increasing as a cost, even globally, yeah. 
you have to index yourself against where does the labor base point begin. And it's all obviously below the United States, but the United States for its factory base employs a lot more technology and automation. So does that make sense to you, Danny? You kind of totally. get the gist? Yeah, totally. Um, how would you want to wrap this finally in the bow just to go over these key points? We've covered a lot here, especially pertaining to the evolution of how men and women have changed, the implications of marriage. You know, we even got into it, but birth control, right? Female birth control. These will change things as well. And the people that are making choices far, far later when it comes to having children because they, they would like to build a career first, you know? Yeah, these well, are all positive things, but these are the impacts of, of what happens when on a global scale of, of how this kind of works. It's just the evolution. Things have to progress, don't they? You know? Well, yeah, this is just the nature of the beast uh, in, in, as you said, evolution. So the, the, from a, the, the putting the bow on the people part of it is yeah. many countries are lacking people going forward. In the future, for example, China, you know, I don't know if it's, it's hard to calculate exactly if it's 50 years or 80 years from now, but it, the population will be half is what it is now. Yeah. Okay. So we're not talking about, oh, the rate of growth is slowing. No, we're talking about significant changes in Just the one world. other point I'd like to add, right? Sure. And I know we've got the problem. Here's the problem. We've got the news, right? If you think about it as well, not only is that statistically that challenge that's coming up in the next 50 years, we now live in the safest times that's ever been recorded. You go back 100 years where there was no TV and no media and everything because news reports the bad stuff. But we still have terrible atrocity, atrocities that happen now. But we're living in the most safest times. People are living longer as well. And we've still got all these deficits with more people living longer, better health care, better security when it comes to child labor, because a lot of women died back in the day because they didn't have the medical. Do you see where I'm coming from? So even with all these deficits, we're living in the best times have ever been recorded on this planet. Without a doubt. In fact, it's arguable and in fact, probably provable that the average person, certainly a Western civilization, uh, lives better than the monarchs of the old days, right? We have yeah. we have libraries of Alexandria times a thousand on our phones. We have access yeah. to education and healthcare and and just easy living. So you're you're quite right. Do you know the well, irony though? But now we're in a, in a culture where we all have a meltdown when we don't have our charger for our phone. Yet there were people starving, going outside to use an outside toilet at three o'clock in the morning. Not that, <laughs> not so long ago, you know. Yeah, one of my grandparents uh, lived in, you know, a house yeah. without a, uh, you know, uh, uh, indoor plumbing. Yeah. So just a, a quick note. So we've talked about people. We've also in prior segments talked about the energy problem that's hitting China. So this again ties back specifically to Amazon sellers. If you have delays on your shipments due to shipping, if you have delays due to production, this is one of the things that's going to hit us, uh, I would say, for the next six to eight months for sure. You know, China didn't run out Bitcoin just on a policy basis, although they, they don't want to lose control. They ran out because they don't have the power to spare. And as if things weren't already bad enough, literally, as we record this, there are floods that are shutting down some of the country's coal mines. Uh, and the fact that China has decided, you know, <laughs> Australia had the audacity to say, hey, we should look into this uh, Wuhan coronavirus. China then replied that Australia was the gum under China's shoe and stopped importing coal from Australia. Now, 
without again weighing in on you know which side is one or the other china cut its nose off despite its face it needs the australian coal their power plants are tuned to australian coal so if you have coal from australia their power plants will run 20 to 30 percent more efficiently than they do on the mongolian coal and some of the other coal production areas because of density and and size and various other things that are related to thermal fuels yeah. now this is all important because it's how your factories get power largely. 66% again of power is thermal driven by coal in China. So power and people are a problem. Yeah. Right? And what does it take to run factories? It takes energy, it takes people, which we talked about, and it takes raw materials. There are some raw materials that come out of China. Uh, there's uh, cotton, but it happens to be in the, you know, Jinjit Xinjiang region, which is uh, fraught with uh, all kinds of political problems. Again, I'm not willing to wade into that right now, but the United States, for example, has banned cotton from that region for its purposes, uh, or for its, I think, legitimate political complaints against China. China said it's not legitimate, so yeah. people will make their own judgments. So there's some raw materials in China, but not nearly enough. All of this put together means China in the future is less competitive, frankly. They have higher labor. They have increasing energy uh, problems. And, and by the way, two years from now, three years from now, you will see China even having more energy problems. And that's while the world remains safe, right? The, the U.S. basically put everybody on the same side after World War II. Uh, there are going to be some issues if that breaks down because China imports all of its energy, oil, coal, uh, you know, the natural gas, which is a component of oil, all of that stuff comes in. So China has a lot of pressure. And again, I love China. I have a China team. I go to China all the time. The food's great. The people are great. Uh, but I have to deal with the realities of what's coming. So I want you guys to think of Mexico and India uh, for future development of products. And we'll talk maybe just a, a little bit about that for a second here in a minute. For the UK and the EU, you can look, you know, in a broader perspective, uh, including starting in the Eastern Bloc of the EU um, and and really thinking outside the box. Maybe it's Turkey, maybe it's uh, even Vietnam or India, but they are, if you start developing these resources, there are some upside scenarios. And then there are other things to consider, but if you sell in the United States market, as an example, the USMCA, which is NAFTA part two, uh, is really, really good for production, which means yeah. Mexico has the energy, they have the labor, they just need the raw materials. Mm -hmm. So if we can solve raw materials in Mexico, they become extraordinarily viable. Powerful. Yeah, yeah. Powerful. and the, the problem is you cannot just go to MexicoBaba.com or whatever and mm. send a picture and they pop out a product for you. They're not you equipped have to, to do it. They don't have you to have to develop it. it a little bit more. Yeah. And I can tell you here, uh, if you just go to Empowery.com and ask for a Mexico, you know, kind of design and sourcing agent, we'll refer you to a wonderful, you know, place. Uh, you know, I say we, but I'm just a volunteer at Empowery. It's a nonprofit co-op. But it can help you start develop Mexico today. But it will take time. It'll take, you know, six to 12 months probably to develop a good factory in Mexico. Yeah. A again, if you're primary market is the United States. You really need to look at this. We are looking at it. We will buy equipment from China if necessary and set up factories. Even if we are buying the equipment for the factories, we will teach them how to make stuff. 
We will redesign how we make it to maybe add more automation and less people than maybe the China way. Yep. We have to become very, very good at this. And if you guys deal in any sort of scale, and I'm talking about a million plus in purchases a year, you really need to think about this. And even if you're less than that, I want you to pay attention to some of the, the breadcrumbs that are being laid down. Danny, what do you think? I think, yeah, we're uh, now on episode three. We're going to head into four. I think it was good to give people this kind of context because I don't think, you know, like I mentioned, I, I, I suggest to people it's very educational. Go and do evolutional and psychological uh, biology. Look at the history and stuff because you can start to see some patterns there. It's fascinating read to understand um, how things have progressed and in some areas – Evolution is near, like uh, is nearly not progressed. They're very much same as what it was millions of years ago. But there is a lot of changes today, which will help you reflect on your planning moving forward. If you're building a new brand, understanding the psychology of your your customer base, who is your consumer? You know, it's obvious that if you're tilting products to a female audience that consume eighty percent of consumerism. If I, you know, if I've got that right, then that is a great target market there. And so having these extra layers, it's not like going onto a piece of software, go, I'll oh, get one of those products. Looks like that's good margin right now is going to be about your brand story. Do you have a really great story? What's your visuals like? What can you do to make a difference? And yes, it does cost money. This isn't something that you do on the cheap, but all of these play a massive, massive role and understanding both male and female psychology and stuff is a really important factor of your business so that you can serve your customer far better. Yep. Very well said. You know, everybody should just remember that your journey from $0 to $100,000 or zero pounds, 100,000 pounds, however you want to think of it, that's, that's a journey of discovery, right? Mm -hmm. You're just, you're inventing your business, you're inventing yourself and then trying to scale from that 100K to a million, let's say, that's another journey, right? You're 10xing this initial discovery into a real business. And then a million plus, now you're trying to figure out, can I build an empire? Can I, can I really make a difference here? And as you think about those types of things, these steps and your in, intellectual evolution, if you will, mm. must progress along with your business. Yes. And each thing requires different focus. So it, regardless of which part of your journey you're in, I want, I'm glad that you guys are here. I'm glad you're joining Danny and I to talk about this because even if you don't have something actionable today, the breadcrumbs that are laid down will make sense later. You'll connect the dots later. Yeah, indeed. Cool. Uh, quick preview of what's coming up, Steve. In yeah, so basically we've had three segments which are all kind of uh, lessons and symptoms and background, and now we're going to kind of tie it all together into – you know, what we think is going to happen. This is kind of where I get out my crystal ball and I say, you know, here's some of the, again, data points that direct where we're going. We yeah. watch what people do, not what they say. And yeah, that actions. is going to be the next well, one. And I mean, that's, that's, that's human nature. I always say it, never listen to the words, watch the actions because they need to be congruent with each other. Indeed. And often, especially coming out of China right now, they are not. <laughs> so yeah. uh, part four, tune in, everybody. You're not going to want to miss it. Excellent. Guys, thank you for joining us on this episode. We'll be back here for episode number four. Take care of yourself and your family. Much love. And we will see you soon.